I would say a, a big challenge is keeping the motivation and uh, aligning everybody behind a bigger value delivered, uh, something that is bigger than just, you know, hey, you have a job and you can support, you know, your life or your family or whatever you, you're, you're planning to have and do. Um, it's, it's composed of, you know, two, three things. One is you have to have a North Star, like you have to have everybody aligned, looking in the same direction and being very clear on what the ultimate goal is. Then second is that goal has to have a deeper meaning than just developing a career for yourself, developing you know, financial security for you and your family. Uh, it has to extend beyond that. And I think, again, following the example of Salesforce, it's not that we are reinventing anything from scratch. You know, values drive value. And that's ultimately the point. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Ankit, and you're listening to the Forcepreneur podcast. This episode is part of the COO series. Operations is probably one of the most overlooked part in a tech startup. There is never really a COO in the founding team. In this series, I try to understand what role does a chief operating officer play in the success of a Salesforce company? What comprises of operation? Is it service, sales, or strategy? Our goal, as always, is to learn from these people so that the rest of us can better understand the role of a COO. This episode is sponsored by Sharing Picks. More on that later. My guest today is no stranger to Salesforce. In 2012, his startup Buddy Media was acquired by Salesforce. I strongly believe that he will be able to give us a good idea about what a Salesforce is because over the years, he has many different titles, such as Vice President, Managing Director, General Manager, Chief Revenue Officer, and now Chief Operating Officer. I personally also enjoy his video contents, which also motivate me to make some of my own. So without any further wait, let's welcome co-founder and COO of Native Video, Buongiorno Luca. Hello and buongiorno, everybody. Thank you, Ankit, for having me and for this uh, introduction. Uh, let me just immediately make um, an, uh, an important point that, you know, Buddy Media, I wish, but it wasn't my startup. It was the startup that I was uh, running in Europe. I was the general manager here in Europe when we were acquired by Salesforce back in 2012, and we formed the marketing cloud back, back then. It was a fantastic journey, actually, with Buddy Media, and then continued as part of Salesforce. <laughs> I see. Yeah, it was um, Buddy Media was a huge acquisition. 2012 was exactly also the time when I entered like the Salesforce world and it was like a news all over the place. So I remember that time. So anyways, tell us a little bit about your journey, like, you know, your older roles and how did you come to the COO role? And then we can go into what is a COO role. Well, of course, I, I started my career in the marketing department uh, with a focus on data, uh, data analytics, and uh, predominantly at the time, we're you know, talking the late 90s here, I'm dating myself, but it was predominantly uh, meant to support commercial operations. So for me, it was a relatively straightforward move to, to go from uh, helping and supporting the sales team to being part of the sales team. So I, I uh, transitioned throughout my career towards uh, customer facing roles, um, taking on uh, first uh, customer support and, and customer engagement service, um, and then moving 
uh, and embracing also the uh, new sales and growth uh, perspective uh, with uh, with the companies that I work with. Um, so all in all, I predominantly work in a commercial role, client-facing commercial role, driving revenues, be, be that existing revenue for renewals and upsells or new revenues with uh, new logos and new clients across the board. Predominantly working for subscription-based uh, businesses as well. Um, so SaaS has always been uh, you know, kind of a light motive across, across my career, all the way to now, as a matter of fact. Yeah, then we have a lot to talk today. <laughs> so what is your current role at Native Video? Tell us a little bit about Native Video, also an interesting startup because uh, video of Salesforce, wow. So, uh, you know, so tell us a little about Native Video and what's your role there and yeah. Of course, I'm, I'm the co-founder of Native Video, and uh, with uh, my co-founder Nick, we started this journey. Uh, well, you know, technology was you know started to be created around three years ago, but two years ago we launched uh, commercially on the App Exchange a solution that brings video as a new form of creating information and sharing information across the Salesforce users and across the Salesforce platforms and clouds. Um, my role is. Uh, that of the CEO, which is kind of a self-assigned uh, title, uh, which is there to say that I do everything that Nick doesn't do. And Nick is focused predominantly on, um, I think, defining the overall strategy of the company, which is predominantly centered around our technology. So he's the technology side of the company. And uh, uh, everything that it doesn't do, typically everything that is client-facing or that defines our marketing strategy, our go-to-market um, approach, our sales and uh, customer service uh, approach and what we do and priorities, uh, that's, that's my responsibility. Nice. So as I mentioned before, or in my in my introduction, there's usually never a COO in a startup team, but it looks like that you are an exception. Because normally when a startup is, it's usually a business guy and a tech guy, and they get together, and then they kind of roll with it. And one is a CEO and the other is a CTO, whereas you have changed that pattern. Um, so what does your day to day, a general day to day, I mean, you say you do a lot of stuff, but what does your general day to day look like? And how big is your team? The team overall for the company is relatively small. We have uh, uh, four people working in uh, development, uh, so uh, product development, and we have um, only two people uh, work. Well, only uh, two people customer facing, responsible for uh, growth and, and customer success. Um, my my day is predominantly centered around what clients need and uh, what they want from us. Um, and it um, it has a a bit of um, probably three or four areas uh, you know throughout uh, a typical day. So uh, when I come into work, I, I typically have uh, at least one marketing activity, be that you know as you know, making some progress on a bigger project. Uh, like, you know, right now we're redesigning our website and I'm responsible for uh, that project overall. Um, I'm responsible for, you know, making sure that the content is right, uh, what do we place where, and uh, driving the, uh, the execution. And then, you know, we have everybody else obviously responsible for their own, uh, their own part within it. Um, LinkedIn is, a, is a, one of the major channels through which we uh, uh, communicate our presence, so that is also part of you know my marketing activities. Just to give you a couple of examples, you know, writing a blog, uh, talking to you, actually, that uh, you know would <laughs> probably fall in uh, in 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 that bucket as well. 
Um, then, uh, you know, there's a, a commercial part. Uh, there's typically focused on growth. Um, when you operate in our ecosystem, you will know that very well. You have the three uh, main stakeholders um, or, or um, you know, kind of players that you want to connect with in a, in a positive way to unlock business opportunities. One, and the most important, is the clients. Um, so trying to find new conversation with clients, reactivating existing uh, conversation that you know you had with clients, and you know working on the deals that you have open. The second one is the uh, Salesforce themselves. So Salesforce employees and and people that play uh, key roles at uh, Salesforce to support us in our ability to deliver value to Salesforce clients, um, and that's a, also you know part of that. Um, activity during the day. So who do I connect with today? Do I have, um, you know, a follow-up to do, you know, can I present my solution through or can I join a project uh, for a client conversation with some value? And then the third um, important element of the ecosystem is other partners. Um, actually, uh, talking about other partners, you know, we predominantly talk about either SIs, uh, system integrators, or other ISVs, uh, companies like us, in, independent software vendors um, that operate in the ecosystem. And actually, talking about that, good example is uh, Sharing Peaks. Uh, the founder, right. uh, Jean Michel, is the person that connected us. Um, yeah, shout out to Jean Michel. Yeah, exactly. Shout yeah. out to Jean-Michel, great, uh, you know, a great operator, actually, uh, uh, an example for all of us of how to create success uh, within within our ecosystem. Um, he's a person that connected us. We have a partnership uh, with uh, with him. Is both a marketing partnership, so we go to the market together. We have a couple of common clients that are really uh, extracting value from both of our solutions, and we are working on. Uh, Possible product integration. Well, actually, uh, very much uh, not, not more than possible. It's actually happening. Uh, <laughs> product right. integration uh, that will bring ultimately, as you probably can appreciate, both images and videos, uh, you know, together as a joint offer to our clients. That would be like an ultimate multimedia solution. As I mentioned to you before, I came to Germany to do my, um, you know, research a PhD here. And we also made like a multimedia carving tool. So when, and I was responsible for audio and there were one person responsible for video and there was one person responsible for pictures. And that's how we kind of created. So I think that's a very valid integration. And yeah, shout out to Jean-Michel. I think Jean-Michel is kind of the Tinder of the Salesforce world. I, I, I love that definition and I think he will love it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So nice. Um, as you mentioned before, so, you know, I told you about Skillproof. Uh, it, we also started developing and we have not launched. So it took you two years basically to first build the technology and then you kind of launched in 2019. Would you say that's very common in a B2B business world? Um, well, it, it took us uh, a little less than one year to build uh, the technology to get it ready for launch. But I would say that you never stop and, and you cannot mm -hmm. stop. So... Um, so my recommendation or, you know, based on this experience and also previous experiences is to create um, a product quickly or as quickly as possible to have a viable um, impact that you can show through your product. And that's with that, that you go to the market, that you bring it to, you know, in our case, the app exchange, uh, whatever is the, the, the market of reference, because that will be the start of the journey that builds your real product. 
um, you know, our product, like most of the products that I know of, um, have evolved dramatically um, since inception, and and they've uh, acquired new dimensions, uh, new uh, features, new you know, unlocked new benefits. Uh, typically, in in a healthy uh, environment, at least, driven by customer request, um, and that's where I think the role um, of a CEO. Definitely, because um, as a CEO, as the person that is client-facing, I am the one uh, that is tasked with and has the responsibility to collect the feedback on the product as well, on, on new features or direction uh, of the product, and then need to translate it internally and make sure that the priorities are aligned and the overall strategy of the company is aligned behind what develops are, developments are coming for the product and how they're taken to the market. And did your co-founder Nick alone develop this product or did you get investors previously? I mean, you have a successful exit story and you worked like, you know, on big positions before. Did you like, did you bootstrap it? Like you said, you have investors, like how was that initial development like? So we refer to, we, we are bootstrapping our, our solution. So we bootstrapped it and uh, we refer to our investors as uh, our families. Uh, predominantly, uh, we, we, we have a relatively structured approach uh, to making sure that, you know, we treat this as a proper investment that, you know, with our families we're making because um, especially at the beginning, it was a, you know, a sacrifice that we asked that it was beyond just us, uh, the, the two founders. Um, in, in terms of, you know, who developed and how it was developed, it was absolutely unique. Uh, by himself uh, that developed the first product. And then um, it was a priority for us to get um, help and developers on board because the ambition was obviously to grow it fast uh, and to develop it. But I, uh, the, and again, in, it shows you know, a sign of the times, a sign of uh, how healthy the Salesforce ecosystem is. Um, you can, you can, you absolutely can be a solopreneur if you have the technical ability to develop something that you know to open um, an interesting value door for users. They will start to use it. They will come. They will get the feedback that you need to well monetize what you have already and then immediately reinvest that money into making uh, the solution better to follow the direction where your customers want you to go to unlock even more value. Interesting. So how much of your job is basically people management? And I mean, you are a small team, but of course, you know, you are a growing team. So you also need to nurture talent, and especially at your stage, you are at this hockey stick stage, you know, so, so you have to find the right people and you're like, you have to identify. So how do you prepare and nurture talent? Um, very interesting question. I would say probably um, a, a relatively good portion of my day is dedicated to people management. Uh, but let me take a step back and, you know, kind of contextualize a bit people management for a company like ours. Um, we have a completely remote uh, workforce. So all our employers, employees are um, in different locations. They're working from wherever they want, effectively, so long as they deliver um, on on the value that we that we're expecting from them. Um, so we have uh, people in um, you know in Europe, of course. Um, we have people in uh, uh, Turkey. Uh, you know that uh, our developers. Um, we have uh, our 
uh, interface is designed and, and our uh, new logo as well is being designed in uh, Argentina, so in Latin America. Um, I'm based in the UK uh, myself. So, so we have, um, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm talking about it because this is central to a number of things that we do uh, to make sure that we are still building a team and still operating as a team. So um, the lack of the ability to be in the same room means that we have to put in place other ways of connecting, uh, sharing what we do, constantly supporting each other, understanding each other, uh, you know, while, you know, juggling, you know, bad connection, turn on your camera, oh, let me turn it off, or, um, you know, bad hair days, and, you know, all, all of that. Um, it, it's a, it adds a, a new level of complication, obviously it has its advantages, uh, because you, you have, all of a sudden you have a global talent pool that you can tap into, um, and you can hire much faster, um, you can um, really hone in on the specific skills that you're looking for because your talent pool is so vast. Once you have them and you're, you're managing them, you need to put in place a good structure uh, that allows you and everybody across uh, the organization to know how they are supported, how they can ask for help, how can they voice uh, their concern or, or share their achievements. Um, so we have weekly, um, you know, we disseminate our week uh, with uh, with appointments. Then we have bigger um, appointments. We, you know, our uh, business development is based in the U.S. Uh, we operate, you know, most of our clients are effectively in the U.S. So um, with business development there, it poses a challenge with the people in Europe and especially in, you know, if you, if you move east uh, from a time zone perspective. So we, we try to find ways, you know, that are just about right, you know, very early or very late in the day for depending on who you are inviting to get together as a team, all of us. And all of us, you know, we have the, the five minutes um, uh, update uh, that we provide on with our achievements. Um, there's a, a lot of product uh, in that. Um, from, from a commercial perspective, there are a lot of logos and customer stories that are shared. And, and this is our way to bring all parts of the company together as if we were in the same office, uh, because right. obviously we're, we're not. Nice. So coming back to the original question, of course, you manage your remote team, but how much of your time is then spent finding and nurturing talent or how hard it is to find talent? Because, you know, you are remote, so you don't get those kind of coffee break talks. I mean, of course, you see what people are doing and delivering work, but how would you say, so now you are growing and at some point you would say, well, I need a head of customer service. Um, either I hire someone or I promote someone inside. Of course, promoting inside would be also good for the employee. So to give them motivation and also financial side, it will cost you a little less, let's say. Yeah. Um, good question, actually. I, I think when we looked for uh, talent, we, we, um, relied entirely on online um, interactions, uh, well, maybe obviously, um, again, but it, it was uh, 
uh, two predominant elements, um, let's say one, um, which was actually the, the best one for us was a network. So tapping into um, the existing network and understanding, you know, who knows whom and if there is, a, you know, a way through that word of mouth to unlock uh, interesting opportunities. Um, that activity actually never stops. Um, in terms of we are constantly, uh, well, asking our network and asking our employees as well uh, to recommend people, to connect us with, you know, when they hear there's, you know, someone um, that is particularly good or when they have a particularly good interaction with someone as part, you know, professionally, obviously, we, 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 um, we ask them to, hey, can we make a connection? Can we, and then, you know, we, we create a small database that later on uh, you want to probably reactivate and tap into um, if you don't have the immediate need, but at least you've, you've laid the foundation, you've made the call, you created w what we call a data point in time. So, you, you, you know, if you draw a timeline, um, you, you want to be able to make a decision, not only based on the data point of the present, but maybe being able to look him back and see, okay, so when I first met with this person, where were they? You know, what was the emotion that I got? And what was the, um, the, I don't know, the, you know, the skills, uh, you know, the path, the trajectory that I uncovered in that conversation? Because then, you know, one data point in isolation is nothing. Two data points make a trend. And you can, you can build on that and you can feel, um, you know, through that, that there's, you know, a good, a good fit. And now, a quick word from our sponsors. So people, what do you do about images in Salesforce? I was recently asked to scope a project for a real estate customer and they take a lot of images. The more I learn about Salesforce implementations using images, the more I hear the following. People just love to work with images. And taking a picture is the new way of taking notes. So when I'm drawing on whiteboard, I usually take a picture of it and then save it somewhere. Secondly, people hate to lose time when they have to modify the images. You know, the thing of downloading, editing, uploading, changing format and so on. So people hate that. Well, in Salesforce ecosystem, we have a great solution for that. Sharing pics. Sharing Picks is a five-star app on the App Exchange that gives you all the tools and integrations that you need when you have to work with images inside your Salesforce org. The latest version comes with a new set of smart components which are specially designed for people who work in field operations or outdoors. Sharing Picks contains many great features such as a PDF generator optimized for images, a map component and a planned PDF component which could be added to any object, annotated and can even plot personalized checkpoints with photos. An offline PDF form which can be mapped to Salesforce field to streamline data entry and taking pictures while in the field. So next time when you have any image requirements, just check out sharing pics on the app exchange. They are really loved by the customers which can also be seen from the reviews that they have received. So check them out. And now enjoy the episode. So coming slowly now to more the Salesforce side of stuff. Um, yes. 
Salesforce has this Ohana, this community, which is very vibrant. And thanks to this community, we connected. I mean, I know John Michel through presenting at French Touch Dreaming. And now through John Michel, I know you. So how do you use this community? I mean, uh, not only for your success, but it can help you in gaining employees. It can help you in gaining new customers. And uh, yeah, what's in your eyes as a founder, what's the importance? Yeah, well, very good point. I mean, this conversation and what you just mentioned about Jean-Michel is a testament of the power of the community. We, um, I think, you know, broadly speaking, <laughs> if I want to step, take a step back, you know, as human beings, we constantly look for um, signals that either make us a bit more comfortable or make us a bit more you know, wary of what we have in front of us. And I think being part of the same community, having that common trait and the ability actually of Salesforce to continuously inject positivity and uh, make it uh, positive, a community for good with you know, its values, create value and that all overall approach, means that when I see and interact with someone and I and they are from the same community, we already have something in common and it's something positive. We are directionally looking in the same way, right? Right. And I think that's you know the what makes connecting easier. Um, in in it's a, it boils down to you know to be practical here in our business development, we we use we reach out to cold reach out right so you pick up the phone and you call a company proposing your solution in the f one of the first questions is do you use salesforce um do you have do you participate into salesforce events uh, are you familiar with you know this or that salesforce specific um area of business and that creates that connection it creates that um, initial bond um, that then leads to hopefully you know a better, easier, uh, more straightforward conversation. Um, it interestingly, um, you will you will also always have to weigh on the other side the fact that you're somehow reducing and limiting your. Um, your addressable market in a way. If you think about our solution, our conscious choice to operate in the Salesforce ecosystem, to be native to the Salesforce platform, means that in order to use our solution, you have to be a Salesforce partner, a Salesforce client. And not all companies in the world are Salesforce clients. And, and that is a limit, it can be seen as a limiting factor. The reality is quite the has been quite the opposite. Right. It gives you focus and it gives you that foundational connection yeah. that unlocks a, a much more meaningful, you know, kind of leaps forward any conversation that you have. That is incredibly true at uh, Salesforce events. If you well, you mentioned you know French Dreaming, and uh, you know if you've been to Dreamforce or if you've been to other Salesforce events, you feel the community there. You see how open people are, you know, you, you see how easy it is to build business connections and, and ultimately drive uh, drive business through it. Right. 
Yeah, um, I completely can agree to that. I mean, for Skillproof, we are a Salesforce aptitude testing company. Punkt. We are not doing, you know, Java. We are not doing Python. We are very focused that this is the community. And I, it's a very big market. It's a very big market. I mean, you know, Salesforce has 160,000 customers. If we just get 10% of that or even 1% of that, that will definitely satisfy that we can have an office, a team and a very good life just with that 1% of those customers. So... Coming more from the Ohana to more to the personal. So what have been your top three challenges and how did you overcome them? So, you know, there are many challenges and they come to you uh, from many different areas. Maybe the, the major, the main challenge uh, for all managers in, you know, in this space and, and in this position, but in most position is uh, the ability to prioritize um, and uh, to um you know, say no to the things that you need to put on the back burner on, you know, the the, the, the the bottom shelf and then, you know, focus on the things that really will make an impact and will make um, uh, a difference. Um, I think the other challenge that is becoming more, that is, you know, even more evident, I guess, with a remote team right now, but it's... Um, and and <laughs> I hope my my former colleagues will not you know mind this, but it's also um, part of where younger generation are evolving and their attitude and their expectation when they come at work. Um, I would say a, a big challenge is keeping the motivation and uh, aligning everybody behind a bigger value delivered, uh, something that is bigger than just, you know, hey, you have a job and you can support, you know, your life or your family or whatever you, you're, you're planning to have and do. Um, it's, it's composed of, you know, two, three things. One is you have to have a North Star. Right. Like you have to have everybody aligned, looking in the same direction and being very clear on what the ultimate goal is. Then second is that goal has to have a deeper meaning than just um, developing a career for yourself, developing you know financial security for you and your family. Uh, it has to extend beyond that. It has to embrace. Um, in in our case, you know, we embrace the the, the environment. We are we're big advocates of you know climate uh, action. Uh, we've married the global. Um, development goals, the, the sorry, the sustainable development goals. Nice. Um, we married number seven and number 13. So we're aligned to that. We're trying to be true to that. We, uh, we make it as part of our own conversation, our own go-to-market, the way in which we interact with our clients, uh, we, the way we develop our product. And we embed the messaging in our product, in our uh, go-to-market to be true to that. And I think that's one way in which you are um, creating something bigger. And I think, again, following the example of Salesforce, it's not that we are reinventing uh, anything from scratch. You know, the values drive value. And that's ultimately, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, point, uh, the point there. And are there any COOs that you look up to for inspiration? I mean, you are very experienced in your game already, but is there someone that you say, oh, I like how this person deals with business? Um, well, there's, there's been a lot of people that inspired me uh, that I work with um, in, in uh, you know, my past. I, I think um, 
the well at the time the CEO of Buddy Media, uh, she was a, a, a an incredible operator. She was what's uh, her name? Um, <laughs> Cass Lazaro, and the the success of um, uh, of Buddy Media was very much leaning on her shoulders. Uh, her co-founder and husband actually. Um, was the public facing figure everybody knows mike lazaro he's you know incredibly uh, you know talented uh, intelligent <laughs> smooth talker great communicator super smart you know i can i can go on forever and he was the 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 public facing um, uh, you know person within the company he represented the company anywhere behind the scene um the ship was run and everybody was uh, looking up to uh, Cass Lazaro and she was a great operator. And then throughout my career, um, other people really um, inspired me um, and are you know, still inspiring me. Um, I, I can think of a few. And I think the trait uh, that I see in them, and maybe it's because it's the one that I have to come to terms with <laughs> in my own in my own is the discipline uh, that they had they brought to work every day um they um they never improvised um they you know there, there's a, a level of uh, preparation a level of uh, um laying out the options and having a good understanding of what the plan a is what plan b is and what's plan c and what are the contingencies for all of them. I mean, that approach is the one thing that I, I believe in, especially in an operations role, you know, in a role that is, uh, um, you know, encompassing, you know, client facing and, and uh, running internal operations um, is, is absolutely crucial. Nice. I've never heard that term before that they never improvised. You know, it was always executed according to the plan. So that's quite nice information. Any advice that you would have for budding forcepreneurs? So, if, you know, people like myself who are starting a company. Wow. I, I don't know if I'm in the position of giving advices, but um, I would say what defines an entrepreneur is what she does or he does. Um, and nothing else matters. Um, the word is and our heads are full of ideas, are full of if only and what ifs and all of that. And that actually will not create a legacy that will, especially in business and especially as an entrepreneur, will not define us. So the one thing that defines you as an entrepreneur is what you do, what you deliver, what you can put your fingers on or you know point at put your signature on that's what will define you as an entrepreneur so you know live behind the you know books that, that you've read and the strategy that you've devised and you know that's all good and everything that we said so far right uh, but the most important thing is doing is executing is you know just create stand by a work product exactly you're defined as an entrepreneur you're defined by the work product so don't think twice 
just do it. Put it on a piece of paper, you know, create it, make it nice and push it out. Don't think, don't overthink it. You mentioned books. Um, do you like to read? Would you like to recommend any books to our listeners? I wish I could read more. My, I, I rediscovered reading uh, because I, you know, I have a family, I have three kids, and you know, I have a very busy day um, and, and night sometimes. Um, what I've, I've rediscovered reading, uh, marrying it with my passion for running. So I discovered audiobooks um, a few years ago, and they, they are the only way through which I keep reading. Um, I have a few running books that I can recommend. If anyone wants to start to run and read, um, they should definitely start with, you know, Born to Run or um, I'm Here to Win. Um, if they Google nice. it, they are amazing books about motivating you through a run and, you know, amazing running stories as well. But then um, from a business perspective, um, I, I enjoyed Play Bigger. And then recently, um, From Impossible to Inevitable by Aaron Ross. It's not a new one. It's a 2016 book. Um, I really liked it. Um, and uh, it actually, we, we took um, actual action uh, out of that book. Uh, you know, it is a, 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 a big portion actually dedicated to finding your niche and, and kind of digging deeper into that. Um, that was a, an nice. important uh, passage for our company as well. Um, oh, and then the the book that changed my life way back when um, was really uh, Tim Ferriss, uh, The 4-Hour Body. Um, I, I recommend it as well. It's not really business, but... And, and then you'll discover the world of Tim Ferriss, which, you know, he's probably one of the, the main characters in, in the world at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I listened to his podcast too, and I discovered audiobooks a um, few months ago. So I was a very purist and i was like books are supposed to be read and i never buy ebooks and i will never buy a kindle and then recently i uh somebody in, uh, introduced me to audible but i'm still not i'm listening to audiobooks to go to sleep so i'm listening to audiobooks but it's for me to go to sleep i sleep so fast and so good listening it's like somebody's reading a nice night story to you and you just go to sleep and i love running too me and my girlfriend we are going running together and we are now five years together we don't have so much to talk so she puts on her headphones and she's running like i cannot even run with music like when i'm running i i need that natural surrounding like i don't even like music and my girlfriend puts on the music and then, you know, she like we both are jogging next to each other, but that's her way of doing it. And that's my way of doing it. All right. Slowly, we are coming to the end. Your favorite productivity habit. Who productivity habit is probably lists. Um, I'm nice. uh, High five. <laughs> yeah, I would say um, if it's not on my list, it's very unlikely that it will get done. And yeah. ex <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm actually, um, look, this is my uh, productivity hack. So a pen and an iPad. I, because I like to scribble, uh, but, uh, but you know, it's, it, it's then, it needs to be in the cloud so that I have access to it everywhere. Um, so I, I actually ran through uh, maybe, you know, productivity, um, you know, tips are also on apps on my iPad to take notes, I, I 
I actually purchased uh, Notability, which was my favorite by far. Um, and I used it for, for a while, but then now I actually switched back to Notes and I just use the traditional Apple Notes. Um, it's really working well for me. You know, I can sketch in it, I can type if I, if I prefer to, I can uh, share. Um, and I, I have access to it through the cloud from in my phone on my on my computer, obviously on the iPad. So that is, yeah, list. Perfect. Thank you, Luca. This was really really interesting. I really enjoyed the talk. Do you have any closing notes? And how do get people get in touch with you? Well, um, look, it's been a, a real pleasure for me. Thank you for the interesting conversation and for the opportunity to share. Uh, within the ecosystem, um, hopefully some people uh, will will get benefit from from you know listening to this conversation, and we might actually uh, push someone else to become a force printer. Um, from from my side, you know we're keen on uh, um, you know video, um, new ways to bring um, information, create information, and share information through the Salesforce platform. Uh, so for anyone interested in in that, um, please do get in touch. Uh, we will when we launch audio, um, which is on our roadmap, uh, that will be a very interesting day. I might actually connect with you uh, on that, and uh, we sure. might do a episode two, or or I'll just you know get your advice and your recommendation as a as an audio expert as well. Thank Other you. than yeah. that, thank you very much and uh, well you know let's uh, let's bring more forcepreneur into the ecosystem for sure perfect now before you go i have a quickly a very quick surprise rapid fire round for you are you ready oh okay okay i'm due yeah all right shop. tea or coffee coffee oh god espresso or macchiato <laughs> don't even ask espresso <laughs> windows or mac mac Pizza or pasta? Ooh, ooh, ah, painful. Um, I go for pasta. Panzerotti or cannoli? Cannoli. Okay. The first web page you ever browsed? <laughs> NASA in '94, probably '93, maybe. My That's a common answer. And I was like, what, what is that? Why do I care? He was super excited. <laughs> he was like, hey, look, look, I'm connected to the NASA website. You yeah. know, university years, you know, many months okay. ago. Uh, your favorite dreaming event? Ooh, oh, the French one. Okay, but this is biased. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> right. your, your favorite wine? Uh, favorite wine, Tignanello from Cantina Antinori in Tuscany. Which city do you like to travel to for business? San Francisco. Your favorite hotel chain? Oh, difficult. Uh, Jan Schreger, when I can afford it. Saltimbocca or Osobuco? Uh, Osobuco. All right. Best Dreamforce and why? Who? Uh, I think it was 2019 um, uh, because uh, we had just created Native Video and uh, we were... Um, feeling the the community in a different way right so i'd been to dreamforce before but it was never with my own company with my own baby um and this was different we also had uh, the opportunity to be on stage uh for for a cta summit uh, and it was an incredible experience and we we gained so much value from it nice the best part of my job is best part of my job is uh, i don't know i love 
our clients. I genuinely love all of them. Like I'm, I'm in love with them. I, 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 I have feelings for clients that trust it. And again, you know, there's an emotional attachment when you're an entrepreneur to what you do every day and to the value that you create. And when you're recognized that value and when, you know, again, especially in a B2B, it's never personal, right? It's a, uh, but there's a, uh, I think every interaction with, with, um, clients and prospects, I have to say, are, are, are the absolute part that I adore about my job. Second last question, being a leader is? Recognizing the importance of people and in their own right and, you know, with their different opinion, different stages, different state of life. And, and through that recognition, understanding what can be asked of them and how they can be supported, how they can be um, made successful um, as part of whatever you as a leader define being the overall North Star, right? So what we said about, you know, the overall uh, direction where everybody's uh, aiming to get to. Okay. And last question, can Amazon be dethroned? Well, I have to say yes, uh, because there is no company that cannot be dethroned. Um, so yes, I don't know when, how, or what Amazon will be dethroned, right? For so what Amazon will become, will it be, you know, AWS spinning uh, out and becoming, you know, bigger than Amazon, and then Amazon becomes just another uh, e-commerce and um, AWS is the real, the real deal. And then we will, in two years time, you'll be asking me, can AWS be dethroned <laughs> or something like that? Yeah, that's a perfect valid answer. All right, Luca, that was your time. Thank you so much. Arrivederci. Super. Thank you. Arrivederci to you. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. That's it for now, folks. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this conversation, then you can also check out other episodes if you haven't done that already. If you have suggestions for a guest or a series, then please let me know and I would be more than happy to incorporate that. Please leave us a review on iTunes and share the podcast on your social media channels. Remember, sharing is caring. This is your host Ankit signing out. Bye-bye.